What is up, people? And thank you so much for listening into this episode of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart. We got a great show lined up for you guys today. Of course, we'll be talking about Zion Williamson's injury, what that means for Duke, the spectacle of the injury. Uh, of course, if you do not know what we're talking about, he went down with a knee injury in the North Carolina game this past Wednesday night. Shoe fell apart when he made a cut that has ramifications not only for Duke, not only for Zion, not only for the NBA draft, but even Nike. So there are plenty of aspects of that story we're going to cover on this show today. Also on the show, we'll be talking about the uh, charges coming down on Patriots owner Robert Kraft. He was uh, criminally charged for a misdemeanor uh, prostitution solicitation. So that's a developing story that we'll, we'll get you guys uh, uh, update on as of today. And Manny Machado finally signs with the team. He's heading to San Diego. What that means for Machado and the Padres. And what does that mean for Bryce Harper, who at the moment is still unsigned. And, of course, we'll have Luke Flames and Who's Trash and Kendall's Court with my co-host, Kendall Stewart. Kendall, what do you got for us this week? Yeah, uh, I've got plenty this week. Um, a, lot of, a lot of interesting nuggets. Obviously, the Zion thing is, you know, kind of took the – the, the country by storm in many aspects. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I was at a, a sports uh, business conference with the CBO of Chief Branding Officer of NHL. So I'll uh, talk to you guys about what what some of the stuff he had to say about the NHL in Kendall's court, if you're interested in hockey at all. Um, a lot of interesting uh, stuff that he talked about with the future of the game. But, um also, a very interesting nugget about Kyler Murray's uh, representation that I think could uh, sway some people on where he may end up, whether or not there is some stuff going on behind the scenes regarding where he may end up, and whether or not there's any, if, there, if I'm going to add more smoke, whether or not there's real fire to the whole Kyler Murray to the Cardinals situation so I'll, I'll discuss that when uh when we get to uh flames and trash all right so so be on the lookout for that later on in the show but we're going to start the show again talking about duke phenom zion williams who is out right now with a uh what duke is calling a grade one knee sprain he injured that uh knee while he was playing against north carolina in the very first couple of seconds of the game he made a plant near the uh free throw line he landed awkwardly on his left foot. The shoe that he was wearing, which, of course, is Nike Apparel. That is Duke's uh, uh, apparel sponsor. Pretty much ripped in half. It was pretty uh, crazy thing to see. His shoe fell apart. It led to him kind of awkwardly twisting his knee. He went down in that game. He did not return. Duke went on to lose. And, and they were pretty much manhandled by Carolina for the rest of that game. Now the questions are, what does this mean for Duke in the short term? What does this mean for Duke in the long term? Because now there are more questions about whether or not Zion Williamson should even play at all for the rest of the season. Should he, in fact, shut it down? There are also a lot of questions about what this kind of, how bad a look this could be for college basketball. You had a kid out there who is obviously not getting paid, goes down with an injury in a game in which the ticket prices for the cheapest ticket at that Duke game versus Carolina was near three thousand uh, dollars. The tickets were actually more expensive than the cheapest ticket to the Super Bowl. So, 
it, it, it was just it was just really a, a it was a crazy spectacle. I mean, tw- sports Twitter was just red hot that night. Kendall, I know, right? I, I, yeah, I know, Kendall. I know you're you're very big on this. Also, the last part on this story: Nike stock went down more than one percent yesterday or, or Thursday. Um, I was through the someone on Twitter said that that one percent was essentially the equivalent of one point eight billion dollars lost by Nike because of Zion Williamson's uh, shoe mishap, so to speak. So, Kendall, I, you got plenty of avenues there. Where do you want to go first on the Zion Williamson situation? Uh, I, I mean, where, where, where should I? I mean, we've got, like you said, the the college basketball aspect of it, and the what this means for the future of Duke. What, what should Zion Williamson do? I mean, I guess we'll start there. What, what should Zion Williamson do now? Because we know he's he's got a they're what they're calling a grade one knee sprain. Um, listed him as day to day. We've seen guys, uh, we've seen guys get hurt before. Um, seen guys uh, shut it down. Uh, Darius Garland, you know, freshman point guard from Vanderbilt, he had a much more severe. He tore his meniscus, but you know, early in the season, just decided nah, I'm I'm done, shutting it down, leaving school, and I'm uh, training for the NBA draft. Bull Bull doing the same thing. Got another guy with a more severe injury. Um, but there is that has begged the question: Should Zion Williamson maybe follow that path and? Uh, shut it down. We saw Kyrie Irving have a major injury as a freshman and not play until the NCAA tournament. Michael Porter Jr. at Missouri last year did the same thing. So there is a precedent for guys being hurt and then potentially coming back or making a decision whether or not they should come back. Uh, honestly, I think the, the closest example that I have that I have to this, and even this one is different given the circumstance, but um, if I look at Marco Fultz, uh, before he had his uh, whole shoulder injury uh, concern, most people coming into the draft were when it comes to when it came to injury concern with Fultz, there was a red flag, minor red flag, but it was more about his knee. And he, the last like month of the season at Washington, people don't realize because they were terrible, but like, he like didn't play. Like, he played the last like five, six games with like a, a borderline phantom knee injury, which. I mean, in, in hindsight, maybe <laughs> uh, wonder were these worries. Yeah, at least there worries, and also makes you wonder whether or not that's like you know maybe a pattern of behavior from folks where you know, oh yeah, I have a you know sore or whatever, I'm gonna set out. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. people are like, is there really anything wrong with you? But regardless, um, he had a knee injury, uh, and Washington was they were a bad team and. He sat out the Pac-12 tournament, didn't play the last couple of games of the season, and that was it for Marco Fultz's career at Washington. And nobody cared because they weren't like they were a tournament team. But so it went under the radar. But could Zion Williamson do the same thing and maybe I won't say dog this injury, but say, look, you know, I'm rehabbing, you know, I'm trying to get back. But maybe he never gets back. I that if if I were Zion or if I were his people and I if we were thinking about this logically and I said, look. We can't play anymore because you could, you could. All it takes is one bad plant, and you end up like Derrick Rose. And now, you know this could be very bad. So I understand that logic. Um, so if I were to go about it in a way that looks best, it would be that. It would be yeah, you know, my injury is 
maybe a little more severe. I'm not still still not comfortable playing on this knee or whatever. Hmm. Um, yeah, if you, if you have to say that, um, and nobody would nobody would fight him on that. You know, Kawhi Leonard did it for for a whole season. And I don't know if I agree. Nobody, I'm honest. I don't know if I agree if nobody would fight him on it. I mean, I I saw I saw Gary Parish, you know, on Twitter. He did. Yeah. Going going crazy about this, saying that you know if. How dare he think about shutting it down if he's healthy enough to play? So I, and I think that you being a college basketball enthusiast, I think they're going to be the college basketball enthusiast um, fan base involved with this that will be loud about how this will be outrageous that if he was ready and healthy enough to play, barring you know now that we know it's only a grade one sprain, I mean that's not something that should put you out for a month, but that's what that's what. It would take for him to sit out the whole season. He'd have to be out basically a two and a half, a month and a half, or almost two months. I mean, that's not what happens when usually you get a grade one knee sprain. Yeah, I mean, there will, there's always going to be detractors, mm-hmm. but I feel like, and it, especially when you get closer to NC tournament time, that's when like the buzz will really be like, all right, yo, you got to be out there, and it's it would be tough for him to not play in those games. Um, I would certainly consider. I'm not playing any more regular season games. <laughs> you know, I would agree. I, yeah, I, I, know. I, I could see that. Yeah, I mean, I what's the? I mean, the Duke North Carolina game is is important. Um, but then there's also the other side. Now, if I resign, well, one people the logical argument, yes, with the money that he has lined up, he'd be foolish to risk that by playing any of these games in theory. But when people make that argument, they're taking they're looking at it from a detached point of view and saying, this is what I would do if I were Zion when they're not Zion Williams. And they don't have, they're not living the life that Zion has. They, they haven't built the relationships and the connections that he has at Duke University with the student body, with the coaching staff, with his teammates, trainers, um, the fans. They, I mean, I mean, I hate to say it, but the boosters, there are, there are a lot of people yeah. riding on, and even Nike to an extent, that are riding on Zion Williamson playing and being as dynamic as he's been all year. And again, like I said, it's easy for us to come from our point of view and say, oh, yeah, it makes plenty of sense for him personally to do it. Maybe he has to be selfish in this sense. But even in a selfish viewpoint, it may be even more selfish to say, I do want to play because I. I'd be like he said straight out of his mouth. He'd be letting a lot of people down. That's nothing to ignore. This is a major decision. You can't take emotion out of it. You can't just look at it logically. Maybe he should, but that's not a realistic thing to do for a guy that's only 18, 19 years old. Um, but then the other view, the other side of it is logically they're also is a there. People are making the case that he has nothing to gain from playing. He only has stuff to lose. He's already number one pick. I disagree because. And I think, EJ, you would understand, like, when you're – I mean, look at where Zion Williamson was five, six months ago. He wasn't where he was now because he's played on this platform. That's only – and that's when college basketball is, like, the fourth, fifth biggest sport in America in these last five months. Mm-hmm. But now we're heading into March, and it's yeah. going to be at the forefront, and Zion Williamson is arguably the face of basketball right now. Like, he would be – I would say foolish, but he'd be really missing out on an opportunity if he decided I'm I'm not going to play. And let's say Duke were to win a national championship. I would say without him. But, like, in theory, if he played and they won a national championship, 
the mystique of Zion Williamson, which is already at an all-time high after this sneaker incident, would go up tenfold. And with that mystique would go the potential branding and marketing opportunities. Yeah. And the, the money he can make if they went to a national championship or won a Final Four or went to the Final Four uh, is something that I don't think he should consider passing up. Only because he sprained his knee. You know what's funny is that when, when we talked about this uh, before we talked to guy on the show and we were texting each other, uh, we meant I mentioned Parrish uh, making or not Parrish. Uh, we, we mentioned Windhorse saying that um, if if Zion tore his Achilles, he would still be the number one pick. Yeah, that would, I, yeah, that comment made no sense. Which I think is ridiculous. But I understood his sentiment of like, I mean, he'd be drafted. He's very, very high, high, pretty much a consensus number one pick. Right. So like, it would take a major injury. He's pro- maybe was there some hyperbole, but. Like someone, Tracy McGrady was on there, and he like on the jump, and he kind of called him out, like he would be the number one pick. And he's like, he, he, no doubt, he would still be the number one pick. I'm no, like, no way. Yeah, no, I, I don't no agree. Way. I don't agree with that. But it was, five, but what's interesting, but what's interesting about that, Ken, the reason why I bring it up is because not to bash on Windhorse, but just that <laughs> idea because I thought about Embiid, and I said, well, Embiid broke his foot. Before that, he had the back injury that kept him out of uh, the Big Twelve tournament and the NCAA tournament that year with Kansas and Embiid was a surefire number one pick one before the foot injury was going to take him out for a year. Then it made me think what could have happened if I know Wiggins ended up still being the number one pick, but if Kansas went on to win a national championship and they won without Embiid and Wiggins carried them all the way through a national championship. It sounds laughable today, but Let's just say that happened. I mean, I, I wonder where, if how much Embiid's stock could have been hurt by his team lifting themselves up by without him and winning a national championship. So when you say, does he have nothing to lose? And you say, no, he does have something to lose if he doesn't play. I, I tend to agree a little bit. I, I don't think that that would be, I think that that would be, a disastrous look for Zion Williamson if Duke somehow won a national championship without him. And they're good enough. Like I, some people are saying they have no shot. I disagree. When you I, have, I think they have. Those, cl- I think they have, have close to no shot. To me, five to ten best players in the country. I'm never going to give you no shot, but it would it would certainly be drastically tougher. I mean, they didn't look like a team that can win a national championship in that game. Now that's a little unfair because they're playing. Yeah, they didn't prepare. Yeah, no they're playing against an elite team without the preparation of playing a full game without Zion Williamson. So. But I'm just saying, and to me, like, if we really get into Duke, my whole – I've had problems all year with kind of how they've played. I still don't think they have that much of an identity offensively. And I think uh, when Zion's out, it shows. Some games yeah, like the game, trouble, yeah. Yeah, some games like the game against uh, Florida State when he went out, like, yeah, RJ and, 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 uh, and, and the other kid can, can just light it Reddish. up. Right. But if those guys don't have it, they don't really seem to do anything to get those guys easy shots. And that's well, Reddish has been inconsistent this year. They've been right. extremely inconsistent. And to win the tournament, you got to be consistent six games. <laughs> yes, basically. And, like, I just don't think that team would – that would still be a great team, and that team could get to the Final Four, but that would surprise me if they won the national championship. But I, I, if that did happen, though, I do think that would be a bad look for Zion Williams. And I do think that that – I don't want to say – I'd be hard-pressed to believe he wouldn't be the number one pick, but I, I think that there would – be questions after that they say okay well is this guy just an athletic marvel um what happens if uh job morant takes his team on some magical run to the final four or to the elite eight or the sweet 16 
and everybody sees who this kid is. A lot of people aren't paying right. attention to Murray State. He's in that conversation. That's, that's what I one, Number two or number three. There and, would be that conversation. Zion sat it out, and John Morant led his team to a Final Four. People, I mean, I I made the case a couple weeks ago. I'll consider drafting number one. People led his team to the Final Four. I mean, I'd be a lot louder about it. <laughs> right, exactly. And, again, that's not outside the realm of possibility. Like, if you've ever seen John Morant play, uh, he's that dominant. Where, yeah, he could take his team on a very, very long run. Final Four is... That would be crazy, but we've seen, uh, you know, Illinois, Chicago, not Illinois, uh, what was the team we had last year? In the, Loyola. In Loyola. Loyola, Chicago, uh, in the tour- in the Final Four, we've seen VCU in the Final Four recently. It seems like we're seeing more and more of these, like, random teams get into the Final Four in recent years. So, I, I do agree that there is some risk in not playing. I, to me, when, I, when he went down and the questions were about whether or not he should play, it all came down to me what the injury was and how the severity was. My thing was, if it was anything, any kind of, you know, moderate sprain or a tear anywhere, any of that stuff, I would have said no. I don't care how he comes back. He's got to shut it down. Um, I hear gray one sprain. That tells me, okay, maybe he shouldn't play the rest of the regular season, but he should be ready for the ACC tournament. And if he's ready to go and there's, there's not a risk for him to be injured again, I would say go out there. But the one thing thing about with Zion is, dude, that dude is an explosive player, and he's not the. I don't think he's the kind of guy that can be out there, you know, half speed or, or half, uh, or not fully healthy, and, and he plays so violently and so aggressively that I think he's compromised anyway. I think he's actually more likely to be injured than maybe another player. So I would be very cautious. I still think there is a lot on the line with him. I would say if he's ready, I would say no earlier than the conference champ- conference tournament. But if they did set, set him, it, it would be understandable. But I, I do think you make a good point, Kendall, about the fact that the one thing about sports is that I think if sometimes we get detached from because we're no longer playing, we're no longer athletes, is that you talk about how it's not a fully lash- rational or logical decision to play at all, in theory. And we got to understand that this like a lot of times logic and rationale for a lot of this stuff is thrown out the window. I mean, yeah. we're paying millions of dollars. The schools, schools are making millions of dollars to watch kids play a, a kid's game. I mean, there's nothing rational about this at all. <laughs> it's like, this is a, we, they call us fans because we're fanatical about something that is a little weird. You know, it's become such a lesson. It's become such a uh, figment of our society that we don't even, you know, we don't even think about it. But, this whole thing is crazy, and uh, so so I say that to say, yeah, like, look, he has a, a responsibility to his teammates. He feels responsibility to his fans, to his family. I'm, I'm I'm sure he wants to go out there and play. He said before the season that if he didn't care about winning the national championship, he wouldn't. He just could have sat out the whole year, and I think that does mean a lot to him. I think that I think anybody that goes to Duke, they believe in that whole brotherhood crap, <laughs> like. Like, you know, if you ever follow them on social media or you hear them talk about it on TV, any of the, the alumni, they talk about, I mean, you go to Duke as a brotherhood. Coach K has been selling that, I think, big time, I would say, over the last six or seven years. Whenever the one and done started coming to Duke, he's kind of been reselling that whole brotherhood thing. I remember he was doing that even back when Shane Batty was playing. But now it's really become like their tagline. And I, even if you're there for one year, it's still a brotherhood for those guys. So now if he was Ben Simmons at LSU, Oh yeah, I don't think he'd be. I don't think he'd be playing. I think it would be over. 
But yeah. Duke is a different scenario. How, how, yeah, exactly. And that's the difference between the Marco Fultz situation and Ben Simmons. Like, if we were talking about an NIT team, like, that's because people talk about what guys are doing in football with bowl games. And bowl games, like, <laughs> and I, I I heard Rob Parker from Fox Sports 1 bring the same thing up where he was Shout like, out to my homie Rob Parker, by the yeah, way. Yeah, you got Rob Parker. Like, we, when guys do that in bowl games, like, guys don't do it in the national championship or the college football playoff. Right. They'd be eviscerated. I'm waiting for the one guy to be like, yeah, I ain't playing in the playoffs. <laughs> I got my NFL deal coming up. Like, guys doing a bowl game, because those are glorified exhibitions that are archaic and should go away regardless. Mm-hmm. It's it, like the NIT, Ben Simmons didn't play in the NIT. And nobody was like, this guy's a loser. We'd be like, yeah, it's an, it's an exhibition game. Nobody wants to see Ben Simmons play. I don't even know. I don't know if L2, they might have declined the invitation, but I think like, he told them I'm not going to play. Like, Marco Fultz wasn't going to play in any NIT or anything. Like, those guys, when you're out of it, I don't care. But Zion very much can compete for a national championship. It'd be uh, it'd be a shame if he didn't. How do you feel, though, in terms of the amateurism issue? Because that's another conversation that people are having. Yeah. And, and it's been raised because of this injury. Yeah, this is, this is definitely shed maybe the, the biggest spotlight on it. In a long time, I mean, I felt like so much so that the every, NBA came out and capitalized on the uh, on the situation. Right? Yeah. I mean, you talking about the age limit? Yeah. So now they're saying to Woj is saying that is unrelated. I don't know how much I believe it, but that's <laughs> what he's saying. <laughs> if you don't Woj, know what you're talking man. about. Uh, Kendall uh, is referring to um, the NBA formerly uh, pro NBA Players Association about putting in 18 uh, 18 year old age limit, which we will talk about a little bit in a second far as with uh amateurism i kind of you know what i was thinking about it the other day or not you know it was yesterday um and i kind of was thinking about it myself and the kispu sarge shout out to him he kind of verbalized it and i, I think he's kind of right because you know the the i i for me i would be all for everybody getting some kind of check uh considering the amount of money college basketball makes i think that uh they should split the money they make with all of the athletes that you know, and this is including college football. All the athletes that play college sports should get uh, some kind of bread. Um, I don't know what the split would be. Maybe seventy thirty, and that would still be a lot of money for a lot of kids. That'd still be, I think, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Obviously, I'm not a math dish. I don't know, but uh, I think they should be getting some some kind of hundreds of thousands, or at least tens of thousands of dollars for playing college basketball and playing college football and playing any college sport. But I do think in terms of for guys Zion who has so much on the line, even that kind of money would be chump change for what he's worth. And Chris Boussard said, look, why don't we just let these players allow themselves to market themselves, allow them to market themselves? That's what I've always said. That's the easiest like, way. Like, let it. Zion <laughs> sign a deal with Adidas or Nike. I mean, that would be Nike now. I'm I think that's a little more that. problematic, but... Because uh, only because the shoe de- the shoe companies because I thought about it too but then I was like maybe not the shoe companies because they're sponsored by teams but but the NBA even, NBA Nike is is the NBA sponsor and Steph Curry is still proudly wearing his uh, Under Armour kicks that, you know Harden is wearing true. Adidas that's true like it now it, the schools would have to then discuss that and I think then now the brands would be like yeah I know and I know there's an issue <laughs> where like the school has contracts with these two companies yeah, that yeah are ex- schools aren't allowed to have their players exclusive apparel so even okay it, it, 
the reason I why I say like, shoe companies, like, the reason why I say shoe companies is because obviously shoe companies for bat college basketball that's majority of the money, yeah, right. That's majority of the money. So my thing is like, okay, well, where else you're gonna get a lot of money from? Zion Williams getting a lot of money from a lot of places, but right. But I think that to me, like that, that to me, I think should be an immediate fix. I think that that should be if we're if, if we want if they think that paying guys is complicated, we have to have a long conversation about it. I'm fine. I think it's ridiculous, but I think I'm fine with starting the conversation. But in the meantime, allowing any college athlete to make any kind of money they want based on how good they are, because that's because yeah. that's case. Then Zion would be a millionaire right now. Zion would be a millionaire, oh, and him getting multi, multi, multi millionaire. Right, and him having now he may not ever have to do a year in school, but him having to do a year in school would no longer feel like this terrible thing. You know, it feel yeah. bad still, but it'd be like, all right, well, I mean, look, he, he made $3 million, you know, <laughs> you know, on endorsements in this one year, you know, going to school for like, you know, five months. And it would eliminate, mostly, it would eliminate under-the-table deals. Right, now, exactly. There's always going to be under-the-table under under table deals in the NBA that we don't know about. But yeah. there's, but like, it would eliminate the, oh, yeah, I, I just bought your family a house for, you know, $80,000 or whatever. Like, that stuff... Or I just bought your mom. I just gave your mom a job. Like that, nobody cares about that stuff anymore. Because Zion Williamson's making, you know, X amount of million millions of dollars from, you know, McDonald's, right? <laughs> or from, you know, Coca Cola. You know, whoever's paying. And to me, like the, the issue that it seems like we're having in terms of the players that aren't getting paid, it is like the star players. You know, we're, we're not talking about the, you know. The walk on. We're not talking about the the you know the, the the seventh or eighth man off the bench. I mean, we're talking about the star players who are taking financial risk every time they step on a court when they have and are the ones that are generating the right, and they're the ones generating interest. The, the interest. Um, so if you want to make it fair, and look, I, that the seventh or eighth man on the bench on some of these teams, they're gonna get these local deals. They're not gonna not get money. Like they can sell their autographs, they can sell their jerseys. I mean. They can get bread. Like all these guys yeah. can get paid. This is a ma- college sports is a massive industry. So yeah. everybody would everybody would eat to some degree, but it would be fair. And it, all, it, it would also take away the issue of Title Nine, which people have brought up. Well, how are you going to pay the right. football player if the women's softball player can't get paid? How are you right. going to play the men's basketball player if the women's basketball player wouldn't get nearly the same, and they're not generating the same amount of revenue? Right. right? I I don't care. I'm not paying them. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm not paying them. I can't tell Nike who to pay. I can't tell right. you know Apple who to pay. Yeah, Disney who to pay. So that would eliminate that issue as well. Right. So I I think that Chris Boussard, uh shout out to him as well. Uh, I did, not friends with him. I don't know him, <laughs> but uh, but I thought when he said that, and the more I thought about it, I I think that's just an immediate fix. I think that if we do that tomorrow, that's people calm down. People calm down slightly. Right, right. We calm down, and then and we're heading in the right direction. I think if we start right. that, we're in the right direction of eventually getting all these people checked from these schools or checked from the NCAA. But that should, like there's there's no excuse for a player not being allowed to make money off of his name. I don't I don't understand how that's even a thing. We have um, Olympic athletes like you know Simone Simone Biles or or, or, uh, or, or you know Gabby Douglas or um, or you know Michael, Michael Phelps. Phelps. You know, these people are, you know, teenagers making millions of dollars, <laughs> you know, on Wheaties contracts and all these big contracts. Like, it's, it's and they're quote-unquote amateurs, you know, in some degree. It's insane that in college basketball you can't do the same. 
college football, you can't do the same. That doesn't make any sense, and that that should be banned immediately. Now, EJ, like, I feel like, I mean, I agree with like ninety percent of what I, I would say. Probably, I agree wrong with basically everything he said. Um, the only the only issue I had with what happened, what transpired with the whole Zion Williamson thing was, I felt like people used people used this situation as a reason to bring up the whole. This is why guys should. I mean, this is why college. I mean, Demarcus Cousins came out college basketball BS nonsense, whatever. All these guys coming out saying we don't need the NCAA, we don't need college basketball. That is nonsense. But um, when we hear even like people that have used this Zion Williamson situation to talk about, see, this is why guys should be getting paid. This is why, I mean, look, I don't disagree with that notion that guys should be getting paid. I have, like I said, I think guys should be able to market, you know, profit off their own image, profit off their own likeness, all that kind of, all that good stuff. I just feel like this was a strange time for this conversation to come up because we're talking about a player. Look, I know Zion Williamson is a great player, but he didn't, I mean, he got, it was a minor injury. Now, Maybe look if he had gotten more, and I I understand it was jarring. You know, look, it was one of those things where like, you know, we've seen guys get hurt like that in similar fashion and end up being much more serious. Right. But like, like he, I mean, he was a knee sprain. He's fine, especially now and the conversation still going on. But he's fine. Um, whether or not he'll play again, I don't know. But uh, I mean, it seems likely that he's going to suit up again at Duke. Um. But there's all this energy about, like, this is why the NCAA is nonsense. And I look back to a situation that was way more severe with a player. I mean, there are, in terms of popularity and in terms of brand image, there's no player. We've never seen a player of the magnitude of Zion Williamson. Yeah. I don't think in college basketball. Uh, um, I agree. Not in recent history. Yeah, sure. not, like, in the last, like, decade or two. Yeah. But uh, at least, like, a one-and-done prospect. But... Um, I look at a guy that I mean similar, like similar basketball pedigree. Uh, this was I guess now eight years ago. Uh, Nerlens Noel was playing at Kentucky. Mm. Played in a it was a prime time SEC matchup, Kentucky versus Florida. I believe that was a college game game day game. I know I was watching. Mm. Uh, Kentucky was the number one team in the country, but it's still Kentucky. Right. They were ranked. Florida was ranked in the top ten. Nerlens Noel runs, tries to get a chase down block, block on I forgot who was on Florida, and runs into the stanchion, yeah. blows out his knee in a, in gruesome fashion, and is screaming on the floor, writhing in pain. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't remember the conversation at the time being this is why athletes should be getting paid. Guys should shut it down. Guys should stop playing college basketball. The NCAA is ridiculous. I, from what I remember, I think I remember the conversation being, "Oh, the stanchion should be, should be pushed back." <laughs> what, what, what do we have to do about the stanchion? I even look at the Paul George situation. Like we've seen guys get more, we guys we've seen guys get injured in more gruesome fashion, in a more severe fashion, and it not be like a national crisis. I mean, Nike having to come out with like, like. Like a whole like PR, you know, emergency damage control mm-hmm. press release. Like that was, it was a lot of angles. I mean, I I was at, 
I talked I talked about I was at this this conference with the NHL's chief branding officer, and even he was like, even he had to bring it up. He was talking about the NHL. He was like, yeah, you know, when Zion Williamson got hurt, and you know, you know, Nike had was panicking and stuff. And I'm like, this this thing, man. <laughs> I mean, I can't get away from it. But I just think that the fact that we we didn't apply that energy back then, and maybe we've just become more progressive on these issues, and we're more enlightened to like, yeah, this is kind of nonsense. But I just look at that, and I'm like. Look, I mean, I've seen worse. You know, I, I like guess I saw Nerl's Noel blow out his knee and nobody really cared. And he was also the number one pick in the draft, right. without a doubt, consensus at the time. And nobody said college basketball is, is nonsense. That if if, if that th- if what happened to Nerl's Noel happened to Zion Williamson in that game, guys would be shutting their career. I don't see guys would be shutting their careers down. But guys, we we'd be having a serious conversation. I mean, it would be a very somber, obviously day. But we'd have a very serious conversation about, like, yeah, like, it'd be a sad conversation about why guys should be getting paid or whatever. But that's, and, you know, luckily that didn't happen to Zion. Luckily, Noel still flourished. In, I mean, he's not a superstar, but still made a lot of money in his NBA career. But I, I don't know. I just feel like, uh, I feel like we, we, we're ignoring, I feel like we're, we're I, would, I think we're overreacting to what happened what I'm generally trying to say. Um, the NBA and uh, the NBA, the, ESPN, the ESPN write-up and the USA Today sports write-up on the Noel uh, injury did not mention the NBA at all. In this only with the exception of this, the stanchion and talking about how uh, the manufacturing uh, for that expansion was like re- in reference to the Utah Jazz and the Miami Heat, but in the actual articles, nothing was mentioned about the NBA. Where I would have <laughs> talking about the stanchion. I don't was assure you that any Zion Williams article, even the one that I have right now on C- from CNN, that's actually the article I used to reference the story, has uh, LeBron James talking about his future and uh, you know them referring to him as a presumptive NBA, uh, presumptive NBA uh, draft pick, you no know, top pick in the NBA draft, you know. I do think that a lot of it, Kendall, does come down to it's uh, we are more progressive on this, as I told you before. Like we talked about why is Sean Miller and Bill Self still coaching? And I just told you I don't think that people care about pay for play situations anymore. So I, I just don't. I think that it's a different time. Uh, it wasn't that long ago, but I think we have grown a lot in this, which is why I think there is going to be a lot of momentum to eventually get these players to be paid something. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that in terms of, you know, college basketball situation, I was a little surprised at how aggressively NBA players were coming out against college basketball. I don't know if I really disagreed with anything they were saying, but if there's anything I would caution a DeMarcus Cousins or really any of these guys who came out aggressively attacking college basketball, for again, I think that they were making good points. I would say that they, they should, and the NBA knows this, and uh, the Players Association knows this, which is why they've been so hesitant about this age limit thing, is that college basketball is extremely important to the NBA. College basketball, the amount of interest it drives into the NBA, it carries into the NBA, the amount of interest it helps drives to the NBA. If Zion Williamson was doing all this stuff and he was playing for the, you know, the Westchester Knicks, or the Stockton Kings, like 
<laughs> nobody would King. nobody would care about this guy. Like, and I'm being honest, like, he would he would still be number one pick, but like the 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 phenomenon this kid has become is because of how big college basketball is. Yeah, and college sports are. So while they can talk about how terrible college basketball is, and in some ways That's what I'm saying. it is, these guys also have a lot of uh they should have a lot of thanking to do to college basketball for the big revenue I mean, that those guys these guys are earning from yes. these TV deals because of the interest for these college kids that are doing one and done and people wanting and, to see these kids play when they get to the NBA. And people talk about and look, I, I again I, I preface what I'm saying by saying look, I, I agree guys should be getting paid. Logically, you know, everything makes sense in there's nothing that makes sense to to suggest why guys shouldn't be getting paid. But with that being said, I also don't think that it's fair to to say that guys, for example, like the player mentioned, the player you know that got hurt, Zion Williamson, aren't benefiting, like you said, from playing college basketball. Oh yeah, like Zion Williamson, like he's been given a platform. People are talking about yo, he shouldn't have played at all. First of all, like let's say, let's say the NBA never. Got let's say the NBA never instituted the one and done, and said the guys like that they, they never instituted, instituted that rule in '05, and we've been having guys come out of high school all this time. Right. I I actually did a, I actually looked this up like yesterday because I was I mean I was looking at in my I thought about it in my head and I was like let me verify. Um, but think about the amount of guys that have gone number one in that time period, and think about how many of them would not have been the number one pick had. They come out of high school. Had they come out of high school. Mm. I mean, this year Zion Williamson would not have been the number one pick. It would have been R.J. Barrett. You don't think the NBA like is glad that saw a year of R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson and, and in college, ironically on the same team, and said, no, yeah, Zion's by far the better prospect. Last year, DeAndre Aiden can make the case maybe, but I mean he wasn't the number one player coming out of high school. I mean, that definitely would have been an argument. Um, Markel Fultz, he was no no way he was would have been the number one pick. He was barely a top five player coming out of high school. Um, like Simmons and Andrew Wiggins were the number one pick. Wiggins, ironically, wasn't going to be the number one pick until MD got hurt. But right. those guys were the number one players coming out of high school. But then, I mean, you got Derrick Rose, who wasn't the number one player coming out of high school. Um, you've got uh, Blake Griffin, Kyrie did, did two years. Yeah, Blake Griffin did two years. Kyrie Irving wasn't the number, the number one player coming out of high school. Like, most of the dudes that have gone number one mm-hmm. have gone number one because of what they did in college basketball. Right. Not because of what they did playing high school. Not because, oh, they were some prodigy. Now, again, Zion Williamson was a prodigy. He still would have been top five. Some of these dudes, like, I mean, like, Marco Fultz may not have even been a top five pick coming out of high school. But, like, a lot of these guys, like, still would have been drafted fairly high. Um but it's it's certainly helped the NBA in terms of their evaluation of players. Oh, of course. Um, and that's why, a lot of a lot of reason why they instituted it. Yeah, that's why the NBA <laughs> wanted it. Yeah, because yeah. GMs were losing their jobs because they were drafting you know to sign your job number ten. <laughs> and and like that's gonna happen again. <laughs> they yeah, do that. it is gonna and happen again. They and they don't care at this point. But I mean, I, like I think that it's it's I don't think it's reckless, but I think that they they better be careful. <laughs> they better do a good job because these GMs, 
I mean, they're they're going to be the guy that draft R.J. Barrett ahead of Zion Williamson, and that guy's going to look crazy. And the, this year that these guys play in college basketball, look, sometimes it doesn't matter. Kevin Durant was way better than Greg Oden was in college. He wasn't say way better. He was a much better player than Greg Oden was at Ohio State at than Durant was at Texas. And Durant still went number two. Sometimes guys will are physical freaks of nature, but um, largely the NBA doesn't get these things wrong. You know, like largely the guys that go number one, of course you'll have guys that bust, you know, Anthony Bennett uh, was another guy would not have been the number one pick if he came out of high school. Yeah, he wouldn't make like, close. yeah, it wouldn't have been close. It would have been six, seven, eight, probably should have been six, seven, eight regardless, but the Cavs reached. Um, so like people make the case, these guys like, they're, they're they're doing this and they're, they get, they're gaining nothing from it. Yes, they should be getting this. They should be getting paid in that one year that they're playing. Yes, they should be allowed to brand and market themselves and make money and have a YouTube channel at the very least, which they say they also aren't able to have. But like, I, I would I would hope that like people would realize that there is benefits to college basketball. Guys, oh, yeah. they make. Also, you want to talk about Zion Williamson? Jay Williams last week before this injury said Zion Williamson is going to have the richest shoe contract since LeBron James, which LeBron James had a $90 million shoe contract. I mean, I would say that that's accurate, especially after his injury could go up. Like he might have a signature yeah, shoe. Well, Nike, Nike better really yeah, pay up. Yeah. Him. Yeah. Some guy, yeah, Colin Coward making that case. Like he's definitely going to Nike now. Cause imagine if he ends up someplace else and, they end up with the marketing of like, oh yeah, a shoes Zion can't break, you know, or oh our shoes don't break, you right. know, whatever. Like that'd be it'd be an awful, it'd be it'd be quite a hit for Nike. But um, like Zion's, imagine if he signs a deal. Imagine if he came out of high school, he was like number two, number three, number four pick. What he didn't have like Jonathan Gavoni from ESPN Draft Express made the point that like he was out of shape his senior year of high school. Like he didn't have a good year. His senior year of high school, he got busted up by Nasir Little in the McDonald's American game and yeah. sat out the Jordan Berry Classic. Like, people weren't that – I was higher on Zion than most people were coming into the year. But imagine if he if he did come out of high school and he's number three, four pick in the draft. Does Nike sign him to a $90 million shoe contract? Does Adidas sign him to a $85, $90 million shoe contract? Because that's what he could potentially make. I don't know if he will make that, but, I mean – I don't see why not. Mm. And I can't imagine he gets a, a signature shoot coming out of high school. I mean, he can jump high. He can dunk great. But. Yeah. I think I think he, what I think what we both established is that while, yes, there are issues with college basketball and there's great risk with college basketball, there's also a great chance of increasing your earning potential by playing college basketball that you would I not think, have had yeah. had you not played college basketball or you went to yes. the G League. My point is, yeah, so my point is, like, I think players, they're saying, they're using this, and people in general are using this as a way of attacking college basketball, when I think they should be focusing their energy on improving college basketball, mm. and instead of trying to eliminate it, because I think eliminating it is, going to, is only going to eventually hurt the amateurs. Well, they're, they're never going to eliminate They're never going to eliminate I mean, I, yeah, I don't want to say eliminate it, but make it irrelevant because that's what that's what they're trying to do they're trying to we want we want to get the top 50 you know recruits in the country and all put them in the g league i mean it wouldn't make it irrelevant but it would hurt the talent but you know what i don't understand and, about that 
idea, Kendall, is people act like we don't have a viable example of this kind of thing happening already. People are like, oh, well, one day we'll just get the G League really great, and that'll change everything. When we, It's not like as if we don't actually see AAA and AA baseball and how little interest it has. Like, yeah, we, yo, I mean, you're 100% right about that. Like, yeah, like, 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 we have AAA and AA baseball, single A baseball. We've had Tim Tebow. We've had Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper. We've had, uh, you know, Mike Trout. Steven Strasburg. Steven Strasburg. Ken Griffey Jr. I mean, prodigies. we had Alex Gar Rodriguez. We've had prodigy type athletes coming up through the minor leagues, and you couldn't find their games on television. I mean, nope. you you'd be lucky at Sports Center. Would 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 uh would do a live look in in their at bats uh you know Mike a Mike uh, a Mike Trout or or Bryce Harper at bats like, oh let's see you know or, or maybe see an inning of uh, Steven Strasburg pitching you know in Las Vegas somewhere like we love basketball just like we know this country America baseball while I think it is on the decline it's still America's pastime but I I, it, I think it's it's no it's no accident that the college baseball world series gets way more interest in minor league baseball those guys are farther away from playing in the major leagues than uh the guys playing in double a or triple a so i i don't quite i don't quite it's understand the, the idea that oh like there's just gonna be another league and it'll be just as good or or it'll drive a lot of interest i don't the the we have to fix college basketball me and you're on the same page in that i don't think that the g league will ever be this magical thing that's going to drive this great interest. That's never going to happen. And I'm also worried. I don't know about you, but... Because, I, I mean, I thought about it. I'm like, I agree, like... Like, college basketball was fine, like, before the one and done. So, like, it'll be... Like, people still watch. Like, I don't think it's gotten any better since the one and done started. I mean, there have been some dynamic freshmen, but, you know, I don't think, like... I don't think, oh, yeah, it's been a been uh, you know immensely better in some cases some people say it's gotten worse that's the wind up but like i am concerned that like if we open it up to anybody being able to go to the nba and maybe there are ways that they can skirt this rule and say the nba can work together but i do worry that like like back in the day like i mean you might have had like 10 guys enter the draft or five or however many high school guys i worry that like all the top 30 dudes are going to be like yeah i'm gonna play in the league are you um, I'm good enough to get this right. Maybe I'm exaggerating, right. but like I feel like there are gonna be guys that are no way in heck good enough to play in the NBA that are gonna be like I'd rather get the. I mean, it happened. I mean, it happened at the tail end of the the, the high school era where yeah. you had some guys going drafted and or get drafted in the second round. But like I think it could be that and worse, given the way these guys are hyped up and given the way you know the social media era and you got like scrub guys. I wouldn't say scrub. All these guys are great, but like. Guys that, you know, you have, like, a guy like LaMelo Ball, who's, like, the biggest thing since sliced bread. And, I mean, he's a he's a talented player in his own right. But, I mean, even he is, like, kind of questionable as a guy to be able to come out of high school. I, I mean, I wouldn't I, – I mean, he's at that age now. Do you think he could play in the NBA tomorrow or next year? No way. I, I mean, I can't imagine it. No way. And that's what we'd be talking about. And we'd be talking about guys like LaMelo Ball – and maybe, and he's a special case, obviously, but guys in his area, and LaMelo Ball is 13th on ESPN's Top 100. I'm not even talking about the 25th dude. Like, the, we're talking about the 13th dude that's not good enough to play 
arguably is probably not going to play in the NBA. And you don't think that some guy that's ranked 13 or 14 or 15 is going to say, I'm just going to play in the NBA. Now, I would say hopefully the NCAA would be like, yeah, we'll take guys that don't get drafted or take guys. Guys can come back even if they do get drafted. Like, hopefully there's a way. I mean, I, I think the easiest way to go about this real quick is having where guys can get drafted and teams can retain their rights and they still play in college. I think that's the easiest way. Like it's so funny because I had a I had a I had a friend uh, shout out to Joe Chaffee. Um he now works at Fox. He used to work in New York One. He said the same thing. I, I I don't I don't get that honestly. I don't get the idea um, of the the light bringing back the library rule and that helping some of these guys. Uh, I, I think the issue isn't about playing as much as the issue is just about getting paid. I mean, I guess in some way you could say maybe it protects the team a little bit, but I'm not sure that's the fix that you know you would say it is for a lot of this stuff. Right. Because the problem, because the problem is, you're you're the teams are spending capital on guys who they just didn't know enough about, because it's, you just can't evaluate players playing against you know guys like me, you know, or you know yeah. like, you know bum in the month guys that they're playing against in their high school leagues. Like you, it's just not a good Which evaluation. Is another issue for Zion yeah, or even People evaluating them for, against middle schoolers. Right, or even uh, you know evaluating a guy who's played one week at the McDonald's, you know, uh, yeah. American game. Like even that is like okay, you're playing against a lot of other young kids. Some of these guys will, will never play in the NBA. Yeah, like, I played in the or play, I played in the AAU circuit. Right, like circuit. right. It's it's still it's still a hard. It, the problem with the evaluation of a guy out of high school was still going to be very difficult and. I think teams would still get burned. A team, a team would definitely draft a guy like fifteen or ten that should not be drafted, and he goes to his first year of college, and the guy was still you, you realize the guy can't play, and you still would have burned that pick. Whether he's riding at University of Maryland or he's riding on your bench, he's still riding somewhere. Right. The right, only right. difference is that I, maybe I, he gets more chance, a better chance to develop in that one year. I'm saying that in the sense like if we're trying to find ways to protect a player, where the player. And the team, like, we don't have to get college basketball. The team can make a selection. And I don't have to feel like, man, this guy, he could have developed in college basketball. Instead, he's he, he's taking trips and he's playing in, in, in Sioux Falls or he's, you know, now that we have the G League, that's what he'd be doing. He wouldn't be right on the bench. But, like, <laughs> I mean, think about the guys that enter the draft now that played years in college, like Dante DiVincenzo. That dude's played all of his games for, like, the Wisconsin Herd or whatever team they are. Yeah. Like, I mean, this guy was the most valuable player, the most outstanding player in the Final Four. Mm-hmm. And now, like, the guy, you know, Trayvon. Like, ironically, I think I watched one of the games. And the fact that I turn on Julie again, I see two guys that, like, you know, one dude was a top five player coming out of high school, the other guy, most outstanding player in the Final Four. And I'm like, we want to make this, like, more frequent. <laughs> that's what we're saying. We want more of these guys to play in these low environments, these low energy environments with no crowds. You know, they have some nice uniform, but there's no, nothing appealing about the G League now. Maybe you can make it more appealing, but I'd rather have more of these guys playing college basketball and finding ways to compensate them for playing college basketball than saying, yeah, let's just put them all in this bad league that we have. I I, I hear you on that. Um, 
it, it certainly would help. I think the fans will a lot, be a lot more invested in following these guys if they were allowed to go back. But um, I think there will also be a lot of guys that would resist. I, don't, I think there are a lot of guys that want to go to Europe now. I know it's going to college is a lot different than going to Europe. But that would be a problem, too. I don't think any kid who gets drafted wants to go to college. I think he wants to play in the NBA. So uh, there, right. there, there are a that's couple, what, that's what, yeah. there are a couple angles worried. to that that would be a little tough. And the, the, only re- the only reason I say that also is because, like, you know how many times I hear from dudes that are, like, high school recruits that are like, yeah, I'm going to be one and done. And I'm like, the guy is, like, the 60th best recruit in the country. Right. They're saying he's going to be one and done. I'm like, I'm just worried that those guys are going to have that same mindset of, like, right. yeah, I'm going to the league. I don't need college. I'm like, what do you mean going to the league? <laughs> <laughs> when guys say they're going to be one and done. I mean, there was Memphis has a recruit, Malcolm Dandridge, played with James Wiseman in high school, number one player in the country. He's a three-star, four-star, at best, you know, top 150 type of player, big man. He said, people would just assume, oh, he's going to be a three-year player. That's probably four years in Memphis. He came out and was like, nah, I don't want to do no more than two years. Hopefully one and done. <laughs> people were like, you kind of looking around like, what? Like, this guy's like, is he even going to play next year? Or is he going to redshirt? And he's talking about being one and done. So that's why I worry that, like, and I don't think, I think guys, I mean, agents, you know, advisors, people are smart. Scouts will tell them, like, nah, you know, don't do it or else you just, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you might as well. They're, they're very few delusional people like LeVar Ball. I'm just worried that there will be that guy that's, like, the 37th best player in the country. And maybe that guy will be great. You know, Trey Young was, you know, like the 18th. He was like a top 20 player and turned out to be a top five pick. So there are going to be guys that excel, but it's not worth the risk. I do. The one thing I'll say, the last thing I'll say is like when I look at, I mentioned how these guys' brands get helped by college basketball. I do think once the high school rules brought back, um, I think these guys, I think in part the reason why their brands in high school aren't as big now is because they have to play here in college. So I think people are like almost like they don't care about high school basketball anymore. But I think if guys were going straight to the league, like I think we care more about who the best players in high school basketball were. So like I think Zion Williamson, his brand last year would have been probably bigger if you're getting ready to enter the NBA draft rather than getting ready to go to Duke. Um. Again, I'm not. I'm. Uh, I'm still not 100 sure about that to be honest. Because like now you have, because I don't think NBA fans were. I mean, Zion Williamson's huge, so like he, he yeah. Back. But like I don't think NBA fans were hit to like RJ Barrett last year, like the casual fan. Whereas like I think they would be if I mean he's getting ready, getting ready to be a top two or three pick. Right. Generally, like they start getting more hit to these guys when you know they're about to enter the draft. Like, yeah. 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 You yeah. know, but I feel like like if that. If they were like, if you cut that year out, like these guys' brands would probably be slightly bigger coming out of high school. Um, yeah, they oh, would. I, they would be. The one the last thing I want to say also, mm-hmm. I, I was watching uh, I was watching a show. I'm not going to say what, but <laughs> at any time I watch a lot of sports television. But uh, so, somebody was making the case. Somebody was making the case that like guys should be able to have alternative routes. Which again, we're making the same case. But he was like, in the case, he was like, guys should be able to to uh, go to Europe, or he was like, guys should be able to play in Europe or come out straight out of Europe, come out straight out of high school like Luka Doncic. And I was like, 
When he said it, I was like, but Doncic had to do the same year that Zion Williamson did. He just did it in Europe, which is still right. a, Yeah. I mean, and you're allowed to do it. Brandon Jennings did it. And it didn't work out. But, like, and like he wasn't given any advantage. You know, he made the case that, like, like, like Doncic, like, had a rule that wasn't in place that guy that got in the NBA have. Yeah, that's kind of like, yeah, like a myth that, like, kind of went around for a while uh, that, like, the guys in Europe, like, somehow didn't have to do it a year when they did. Yeah, they didn't have to do a year. Like, they just weren't in college. Me. Yeah. Yeah, they just did an extra year of European basketball. Yeah, now it's an extra year of getting paid, which is sucks, you know. Right. But, but like, you know, but it's still it's still different. So, yeah, me, I, I agree with you on that. Um, I guess some get some other news that happened uh, this week. This news happening very recently, uh, just earlier after, before we started the show. Robert Kraft uh, facing criminal charges for uh, soliciting prostitution. This is part of what is being described as a, a big uh, human, human sex trafficking ring happening in South Florida. Uh, Kraft is accused of going into some kind of illegal massage parlor and uh, paying for uh, uh, sexual acts. Obviously, uh, right now, this is a misdemeanor, Kendall, but Robert Kraft, owner of the Patriots, he's won uh, six championships, just finished celebrating a Super Bowl just not that long ago. Uh, Kendall, what do you expect to be the next step in this whole uh, investigation in regards to what the NFL will do with Kraft? coming from this uh from this uh investigation yeah i mean i mean the crowd situation is i mean it's strange obviously uh obviously you know i won't speculate too much on what happened but uh, in terms of what's go- what's gonna happen going forward i mean you feel you have to feel like uh i mean <laughs> his ownership of the team is probably in jeopardy i mean, i don't know if it's I don't, know, I don't know what kind of danger. It depends on what, yeah, how this investigation unfolds, but uh, how culpable he's 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 found. But um, I definitely feel like he, you know, this is a situation. I don't think best case scenario, but you know, I think most likely, if this is if this is deemed serious, uh. If this, thing, if this is deemed serious, I think best case scenario is this gets passed for him is this thing gets passed down to his son, Jonathan, uh, who's already kind of running the team in a lot of aspects. But uh, if I mean, worst case scenario is they they, they force him to sell the team. So I don't think which, this, I don't think this gets that far. Do, do you think? I mean, I don't. I mean, I agree. I don't. Again, I don't know what they got him. <laughs> you know, I, I, like, I can't speculate one way or another that you know. They have nothing, or it's minor. I mean, he's already been arrested. I mean, what so, they're I mean, saying is they have videotape of him, I guess, being involved with some women who he then paid off. Right. That's that's what um that's what they're saying. I I can't imagine they'd have, and since it's a misdemeanor, I can't imagine they'd have worse footage than that. Obviously, I think the the um. The, the doomsday scenario is that footage somehow leaks to the public and there's a uh, you know explicit content that I mean that then I could talk we could talk about I think him maybe not being the owner anymore right but I think a suspension those, those are the scenarios that I brought up I mean I think a suspension yeah. is is likely imminent 
Yes, I would say probably imminent. Uh, we know uh Hurst, history. You're right. Yeah, we know how he feels about Kraft. Um Jim Irsay had been arrested on drugs and pled guilty to misdemeanor uh driving while intoxicated. He was suspended six games and fined for five hundred thousand dollars. Uh Tom Lewin, the own the team president of the uh, Detroit Lions was fined a hundred thousand dollars, suspended for thirty days for driving while impaired after a guilty plea. So uh, those guys pled guilty, and they were they were given those suspensions. It's a little different with this situation. Um, I, I I suspect a suspension of some sort. The six to four game thing kind of sounds about right. Though I never really quite understand what a suspension means for an owner. Like, yeah, virtually nothing. Do they do they not know. get money for those games? Like, okay, you can't show up to the arena. Some of these guys don't like show up to the stadium, especially the road games. Right. Like, I I don't get what the suspension really does. Um, they're not if you're an owner, you're not, you're not making a salary, so it's not like it's affecting your bottom line. The fine is really more of the 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 you know, the penalty, I would say, than the suspension, I would assume. But, uh, I mean, it's not a good look for the league, obviously. Um, and for the NFL owners to begin, you know, after taking that loss, they took the Kaepernick last week. Well, shout out to Colin Kaepernick, of course, NFL, selling their lawsuit with Cap um, to the tune of what's being speculated to be possibly up to $80 million. Uh, this is just another bad look for the owners. You know, you know, the owners already kind of have uh, a stain on their reputation for a lot of stuff that's happened over the last two years. And we have maybe the league's second most high profile owner. I would say almost certainly the league's most second high profile owner caught up in a prostitution ring that is linked to human trafficking. I mean, it's pretty bad. <laughs> I mean, that's, a, I mean, that's, that's a really bad look, um, especially when... Um, we know who he's best friends with. Uh, I'm not talking about Meek Mill and Ho. I'm talking about uh, President Trump. And we know how Trump and his ilk have uh, talked about Kaepernick. Comparing what, you know, this uh, craft being accused of doing and uh, Kaepernick, you know, being blackballed from the league and the NFL pretty much admitting to that uh, in that settlement. They didn't admit to it, but by suddenly they're pretty much admitting to that. Uh this is not a good look for them. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. You know, there's still a lot of uh, still a lot of things to unfold, but uh, I agree. This, is, this obviously isn't a great look for the NFL. You have such a high-profile figure getting in this kind of situation. Um, I mean, Kraft's like, like, he's a leader of the league. I mean, he is... Yeah, he's going to face this. Yeah, I mean, from the business level, right? I mean, if we say Jerry Jones is the most powerful man in the NFL, I mean, again, Robert Kraft is top five powerful men in the NFL yeah. right now. I mean, this is uh, this is potentially massive, depending on what else comes out of the investigation. So, yeah, this is a this is a serious serious black guy for the league for sure. Um, and the one thing that is interesting about this is Adam Schefter, who's been on this story, says that sources have told him that Robert Kraft is not the biggest name in this human sex trafficking bust that the police are happening. They're 
I believe, more than 200 uh, police uh, arrest warrants that are present. And I think only maybe about 70 of them have gone out. And I, I don't even, so like, there's like more than 100 names of people that we don't even know. And if someone like Robert Kraft was frequenting this place, it, it's not, uh, it wouldn't be crazy speculation to think that, well, maybe some other famous rich people were also frequenting this place. And when you think uh, Robert Kraft is getting uh, caught up in this and, and he's not the biggest name and a uh, sports reporter is breaking that there are bigger names to it, it, I can't help but wonder, well, are there other sports figures that will be linked into this somehow? Yeah. Or other political figures. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he said name. He didn't say sports name or political name. We don't know who else could be linked to it, but this seems to be a story that won't go These away. Celebrities. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it, it was definitely someone famous, someone that we know. Because, um, I mean, like you said, Robert Claff, I mean, he's not, a, he's not an A-list, but, I mean, they just won the Super Bowl. Right. You know, he, two weeks ago. He's pretty hot right now. He's very, I mean, most people know who he is. Yeah, so I feel like they've so, heard showed, the name or, or seen they've him seen him at a how many Super Bowl parades and stuff. I mean, yeah, he's pretty visible at this point. I, he, he's a, I mean, people know who Robert Kraft is. <laughs> right. uh, so this seems like a story. And if you don't, if you once you say the owner of the New England Patriots, you almost know what he looks like because he's yeah, he's probably been much. like, oh yeah, I saw him two weeks ago. Right, just yeah. kissing Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> Um, After the game, so yeah, so we'll uh, we'll see how that that ends up playing out. But that was definitely a uh, awkward situation to say the least. But um, the other big news that happened this week was uh, we finally got one of the big free agents uh, to sign on the dotted line and head to spring training. Manny Machado is officially a member of the San Diego Padres. He inked a ten-year, three hundred million dollar contract. Uh, this was a long free agency that seemed to be kind of going nowhere for a while but uh ironically it was a small market team who stepped up to the plate and gave Machado this money Kendall the deal of course uh is guaranteed it's through the year 2028 when uh Machado is finished with the deal he will be 36 years old is this smart money for the Padres and is this a good fit for Machado uh, is it smart money for the Padres? I mean, baseball is strange because it's always like, I mean, I don't know. I, look, I don't know. I, I can't tell you who the owner of the Padres is. He's not Robert Kraft. But, um, like, I, I don't know what his net worth is. I don't know how much money he's got in his bank account. I'm sure it's a lot. Is it enough to pay Manny Machado 300 over the next 10 years? Clearly. Can he eat that money? And Machado, let's say Machado is bad after two years, like Albert Pujols was, or he's worse after two years, like Pujols. I mean, I can't, again, I can't tell you. But if we're assuming, like, that they were taking a risk, like, financially by signing him, there is some sort of risk. And some, sometimes, you know, these teams sign guys to big contracts, and it's like, it's not even, this really isn't a financial risk. We've got the money to eat it. Uh, but if this was some sort of risk, uh, I'm not sure if it was worth it for the Padres. Uh, I feel like 10 years is a long time. And while Manny Machado is a great player, uh, in terms of infielders, I would say without a doubt a top five. I mean, you can make, I mean, I would make the top five infielder 
in Major League Baseball. It'd be hard to argue otherwise. Uh, when he's you know healthy, when you know his head's screwed on straight, um, extremely talented player. I, I just don't know if I mean ten years, three hundred million dollars. Uh, again, it's not my money, but that's a lot uh, for Machado. I mean, it, I mean, this is a weird fit. I think on both sides. Cause, I mean, I look at Machado and I'm like. Do you, I mean, look, you're gonna, have to, you're gonna spend the next ten years of your career, probably the rest of your career, rest of your prime, certainly at the Padre. <laughs> and I mean, they're certainly headed in the right direction. You know, they signed Hosmer last year. Um, they clearly are now trying to maybe make a push. So that's, I mean, I'm happy for the people of San Diego after losing the Chargers and the Padre being uh, less than stellar for like well over a decade. Uh, this, I mean, it's, I'm happy for them, but it just seemed like a weird fit on both sides. Uh, I mean, there were reports. I don't necessarily believe them. There were reports that Harper may be considering San Diego or that the, maybe the, the other way around, San Diego is considering making a run at Harper, Bryce Harper. Um, that sounds like a that sounds like a Scott Boris plant. Uh, it feels like he's just trying to drive up the price even more. But... Uh, if they do say, all right, now we're going to go out there and get Harper, that, that would be like, all right. Still, I don't know about the money. So I, again, I, I can't weigh his bank account. But uh, now I'd be like, all right, this is something tangible that, like, for both parties makes sense. I mean, you want to start a super team. It'd be fun to play. I mean, it's great to play in San Diego. So, uh, but if you were saying we're just going, we're, we're ending our offseason by bringing in Machado, the NL West is tough to begin with. I mean, yeah. it just became more tough for me as a Giants fan. But like, this doesn't make them a like the favorite to win the to win the West. It's a, it's a start. It makes them dangerous. But I can't. I don't know if I can envision them winning the NL West next year. Yeah, I mean, to me, the the Padres are still, I think, a long way away from competing for a World Series for sure. And I'm inclined to say even for the playoffs. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. now gets to come up. He's a huge prospect for them. He play, He's going to play shortstop with Manny's agreed to play third base. And they needed a third baseman. So it's not like this is a, uh, in terms of a, a pure baseball standpoint, that this doesn't make any kind of sense. I mean, they needed uh, someone to play third base. Right. I don't know if they needed someone at the tune of $300 million, but they're not a great team. So they needed, uh, yeah. so getting a guy like Manny Machado Honestly, certainly like, helped them. I just yeah, feel yeah, like for anybody. Right, I guess. Like, I guess the <laughs> idea though is that like if you're gonna sign anybody for three hundred million, like you would think that oh, this is gonna make a major difference to help us win a championship. And I don't see that for the Padres. Can I guarantee you, Manny Machado will not finish his contract out with the Padres. In fact, I would be shocked if he uh, if he gets past six years on this deal. I'd be shocked. Like he, he's gonna be on another team. But for Machado, I totally get it. I mean, look, this is a dude who flat out said, I'm not Johnny Hustle. I'm not about your, you know, li- you know, live fast, die young type of baseball. <laughs> like, that's not his game. And the idea that you could play in sunny San Diego, California, is one of the most beautiful cities in America. The media is very kind. The people are very kind. This is not a place that if he jogs down the first base, they're going to want to throw him out of the city. Uh, you get three hundred million to play in a place like that. Uh, I, I'm not surprised he signed this deal at all. Uh, you know, we talk about oh, you want to win, you want to win. Hey, look, I think 
it's okay to feel like, look, I want to be paid handsomely, also live in a nice situation, and I hope I win with this team. Uh, obviously, you would think that he would have a better chance winning in Philadelphia or winning in New York if he decided to go to those places, um, maybe even Chicago. But this is a kind of team that um, that 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 he he feels like he's going to get paid. He's going to have a great uh, quality of life, and you just got to kind of hope for the best. But I, people are kind of faulting him for for signing this deal. I don't know how. I I mean, him signing getting three hundred million dollars, live in San Diego, and play baseball. I, 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 I mean, I don't know who wouldn't want to. Yeah, I, I'm not mad. I, I'm not mad at Machado. Get your money. You know, people can say, "Oh, but it's not the Yankees, not the Red Sox, not the Dodgers, Cubs." Uh, I don't care. You know, like they didn't want to pay him 300 million. He got what he was worth. You know, yeah. that's on the rest of Major League Baseball. I'm not going to tell a guy to take less to play on some stack super team. Yeah. Get what you're worth. There's no salary cap. There's no max contract. Go out there and get what you're worth from whoever's willing to pay it to you. San Diego felt he was worth three hundred million, they gave it to him. That's pretty much I'm certainly glad that this deal is over. Now, I mean it's it's what what happens with Bryce Harper. Um, by the way, uh I had the Padres owner and I lost it. I think his name is Ron Fowler, I think I want to say his name is. Uh he, see that, man. I never heard that guy in my, never heard of him in my life. Um, I believe he owns a company that owns like Coors Light and like Bud Light. In middle of light, so he's probably very rich because they have a lot of money to spend on advertising. I see it nonstop during football season, all sports seasons, really. Yeah. So, uh, so he has a lot of money. Um, so like, Ron, yeah, Ron Fowler. Uh, yeah, six hundred million dollars over twenty years sitting around. <laughs> These two guys, we'll see. Um, yeah, uh, I, 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 that would be surprising. What's the deal with this Harper thing? What's the name? Yeah, uh, I mean, you... well, what's the name is saying that? Uh, uh, shout out to John Heyman. He's saying that Harper has already turned down multiple three hundred million dollar offers. How much money? Strange. How much money do you think he's gonna get? I. It's interesting because, I. Washington just said peace out, fam. Yeah, Washington was like <laughs> we're out. Like, we good. Um, I don't know if this is a deal where he thinks he can get like. Like, there is a number, 350, 400, whatever he thinks he, he can get, and, then, like, he's not budging. Maybe be, like, 315, and he's not getting that. But I don't know what it is. But, like, he, it, I don't know if it's one of those deals, but I just I get the sense from following this as closely as I have because the Giants are very closely involved. I get a sense that there is a team. I don't know who it is, but I think there is. This is a situation where I think they're the team he wants to go to, yeah, I think they're the team that is giving him the offers that he wants, and he's yeah. trying to combine those. He's trying to combine those factors. Now, selfishly, I, I mean, I get the sense that I think the Giants may be the team he wants to go to, but the Phillies are the team that are willing to pay him what he wants to get paid. Mm. And Harper is in a situation now where he's waited all this time. Is he going to – I mean, what we've heard from the Giants is that they've been willing to pay him a very lucrative short-term deal, but they haven't been really willing to pay him a 10-year type of contract. Uh, they've come out publicly and said they're very interested. Bryce, uh, Buster Posey said that he wanted him. Uh, our owner, Larry Bayer, said that 
he gets Barry Bonds type of vibes from Bryce Harper when we sign Bonds, similar age, similar uh, point in their careers. Uh, it's been that's, very that's where now. that's where the conver- that's where the comparison should end to Barry Bonds. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Age and where they are in their career, because Bonds was uh, twice the player Harper is right now. I mean, it's strong. It was strong words. I mean, Bryce Harper is what's the name was a multiple time MVP before he got to to that's true to San Francisco. But um, so and a, like, gold, and a gold glove out in the outfield, people got put respect on Pittsburgh Barry Bonds. Put name yeah, put, put respect on yeah, Pittsburgh Barry Bonds' name. <laughs> so like, I, I mean, I feel like. Clearly, there is an interest from San Francisco, but Philly has a much more obvious interest. But we've also heard from the Philly side, he doesn't want to play in Philadelphia, apparently. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what's being said, where he may not be enthused about the fact of of, playing in Philadelphia. Um, We keep hearing about mystery teams. It just feels like, what else does he get from this song and dance that he's done with the Philadelphia Phillies? Mm. Unless they're not giving him the bag that he wants, which he doesn't feel like that's the problem. What else is he fighting for? Unless he really doesn't want to go there. And he's using them for leverage to end up on a team that he really does want to go to. And of all the teams he's still negotiating with, it's the Giants, who we've heard aren't really willing to pay him the money he wants. Matt Vaskersian came out a couple days ago, I think yesterday, and said that he knows that Scott Boris know that the, the the Giants are desperate for a guy like Bryce Harper. And yeah. <laughs> that they don't they, I mean they're just, I mean as a Giants fan, you know, I I've been pretty checked out recently. Uh, once yeah. we didn't get Shohei Otani or you know John John Carlos Stanton last last year that last year with a dud. We've been one of the worst teams in baseball after being uh, a champion every other year. Yeah. Uh last decade or earlier in the decade. Um we need star power. And so Boris knows that. And people around baseball know that. John Heyman knows that. And now it's it's kind of at a, a stalemate. Yeah. I guess. I think he ends up in Philly, but I think he just I think he, he budges and is like, all right, I'll take the money. I may not similar to Machado, I may not finish my career in Philly, but I I'm not gonna pass up three twenty five or whatever they're offering me. Yeah. I don't think the Giants I don't get the sense if they've waited this long, I don't think they're gonna pay him. Yeah, there's something about Philly that there's something wrong there. Because to me, right. like, if Philly was a slam dunk it should be, he would be there already. So I know right. this stuff about him and not liking the city. I, it doesn't behoove Philadelphia to leak that out while you're negotiating with him. Unless you don't think you're going to get him. And it doesn't sound like they're, they think they're out of it. So I can only assume that came from Harper's camp. Or if it wasn't or Harper himself, I feel like that that news or that thing is coming from Harper. Doesn't mean he won't go there eventually, but I think he's trying to set up for why he doesn't go there. I would say, as someone you live in Philly, I've lived in Philly. Um, good luck trying to uh, make yourself an enemy in the city of Philadelphia. That is not something that I would ever want to do, knowing how rapid those fans are. But hey, Harper, you live your life. With that being said. I do agree, Kendall, that I do think that he is trying to angle himself to a team that's not Philadelphia. But I don't think it's the Giants either. I think that he's hoping that if he keeps this thing around long enough that... For someone to enter the picture, that's yes, another situation. I think he wants the Yankees or the Cubs. Dodgers. Or the Dodgers. Someone who 
clearly had like we just assume had no chance at him, uh, or at least hasn't really shown any interest in him to say, hmm, there's still he's still kind of hanging around, and I think he may end up taking less money to go to one of those places on a very long term deal. I don't think long term deal. Yes, I think he's gonna he's gonna want that ten year deal, but I don't think he wants to commit ten years to Philadelphia. I, I, I see. I, I almost say I I agree with your logic, but I almost feel like it'd be short term. Like, I can see him being like, all right, I'll do three years, but yeah, like like a like a, like a boogie, right? <laughs> like I'm gonna do a boogie bomb. I'm gonna do three years on the Cubs, <laughs> you know, like. And now now people are like scared, you know. Oh, I'm a, I'm a play for the Astros for two years. Yeah, this is what you get, Major League Baseball. We're not yeah. trying to sign me. But I think that the fact that this is lingering around as long as this tells me that they're trying to work some angle that is not being discussed. And I, I don't. I think that the White Sox, the Giants, and the in the in the Phillies. I think that if Padres, he didn't end up Phillies. the Padres, if he ended up on, he didn't end up on any of these teams, it would not shock me at all. I think that the the, the, the the big the big dogs don't want to commit those kind of years and money to him long term, and I think he's hoping that by continuing to spurn these smaller teams and I, the Giants really are a team that's not smaller but the other teams I would say are smaller uh, that one of these big dogs will look and say hmm he's still out there well what would it yeah take we're just to, bad well what would it take to get him here especially as you know you have you know a Stephen A Smith being like you know why aren't the Yankees involved in any of these big name guys anymore these fan bases to uh, those three fan bases I just named the Cubs the especially the Yankees and the Red Sox they expect to get big names every offseason I think you know, because they're the front offices are kind of you know laid out the fate of their fan base is saying, hey, we're not really going to go after these guys. That uh, and the Dodgers in that situation as well. That the fans have kind of accepted that a little bit, but even now they're still kind of grumbling. So that's my kind of like crazy out there conspiracy theory that if somehow he ended up on the Yankees or something like that, that I would not be shocked one bit. Because I, I think that I think that that's what he's trying to do. If it doesn't work, then he'll sign one of these teams and just be happy. But uh, with the three hundred or three hundred twenty million that he gets, but I, I think that's what his play is right now, which is why he still isn't on a team. Yeah, I mean the 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 Demarcus Cousins to the Warriors thing is different sport, but it definitely similar kind of similar situation, just without an injury, kind of like really changed how my whole look on like how these things could play out. Because that's something that like. Nothing. Nobody theorized. Nobody considered. Nobody talked about. Nobody rumored. There was no sourced information. Just out of nowhere, he ended up a Golden State Warrior, and I. All I'll say is like I wouldn't be surprised if Bryce Harper did something similar, which is kind of what you're insinuating. Yeah. Like he's got something in the back of his sleeve. He's got an ace up his sleeve, like Demarcus Cousins put it, that no one's even talking about that. Because, I mean, all these situations are very flawed. He goes to Philly. I mean, they're not a contender. I mean, he's a he's a sports, I mean, the Philly sports icon. But what's going to happen when he's, when he's hitting 245 in, in May? Are people still going to be like, Bryce Harper? You know, like, if he goes to San Fran, yeah, it's close to Las Vegas. Yeah, it's, you know, Silicon Valley. And, you know, it's a cushy lifestyle potentially. But the team sticks. It's an aging roster. I mean, is he really going to be like, I'm going to last myself 10 years with, to a team with no manager next year because Bruce Bochy's retiring and a bunch of aging star players? I, I mean, that doesn't seem super. No, I think I think it's the most attractive because I think 
they've got, I, I mean, I'm a Giants fan, because I'm partial, but I think they've got upside. I think, you know, from a lifestyle perspective, it's close to where he's from. But, um, and again, do you want to go to the Padres or the White Sox? Like, none of these are attractive <laughs> situations. Yeah. I mean, but you, like you mentioned, you talk about the Dodgers, the Cubs, the Yankees, the, the Astros, the Red Sox, right. like yeah. a team. I mean, imagine if, if Matt Bryce Harper signed short term with the Red Sox. Yeah. I don't know if that makes any sense baseball wise, but doesn't does it doesn't even matter. He's Bryce Harper. You'll find a spot. <laughs> you'll you'll find a spot to put him in your lineup. And I mean, it'd be very akin to what DeMarcus Cousins did, but right now these guys are talking about how major league baseball is colluded against two like arguably its biggest star outside of Mike Trout. And yeah. it's, I mean, it's different than the Kyle Kaepernick situation, obviously, but you don't think that that's going to – people talk about DeMarcus Cousins feeling a certain type of way that motivated him to sign up with the Warriors. You don't think Bryce Harper is feeling a certain type of way right now? And Scott Boris also is not, you know, a, a nice customer to, to deal with in these type of situations. I mean, this is a fascinating scenario, man. And the Padres end up somehow with Harper and Machado. Oh, you know I'm going to be there. You know I'm going to be pissed, man. Oh, yeah, I know. You'll be very upset. That would be uh, a scenario I did not see, foresee at all happening. But, um, but that look, that'd be fun to watch. I know it would drive attention to that, uh, to that, to that Southern California team. Would not expect a team like the Padres and SoCal to be the team to spend that kind of money, but... Padres seem invested in making splashes, so uh, we'll see if uh, Machado is just the first shooter drop. Okay, Kendall, let's do uh, Flames and Trash. You want to go first? Uh, what do you got? Uh, Flames this week, EJ. I'm going to go with uh, my guy, Jeremiah Martin. Mm, okay. I mean, a lot of people are watching this being like, who's that? Yeah. <laughs> Jeremiah Martin, EJ, is the starting point guard for the Memphis Tigers basketball team. Obviously, I'm a huge Memphis fan. And Martin is in his senior year. Uh, and a couple of weeks ago, he had a game in South Florida where we were getting blown up. We were down. We started the game down 26 to 2 in Tampa Bay. And it was, I mean, obviously it's embarrassing. I turned the game off, stopped watching, and didn't follow the game because I was like, oh, we're going to lose. I don't want to check my phone and see, oh, man, I was down by 25. You know, I, I didn't care. Um, I checked back like hours later to see what the score was. And I see, not even see what the score was. I think I was just on ESPN.com. I saw something like, you know, Memphis Martin scores 43 in the second half of in uh, loss to South Florida. I was like, he scored 43 points in the second half of a, of a basketball game? And, like, I watch every single Memphis game. So I'm like, this guy's not capable of that. <laughs> but regardless. <laughs> you just call them flames, and now you tell me he's not capable of doing what he's been well, doing. that's what I thought. <laughs> but he's been he's been on a roll after that game. I think he finished with like forty three. I don't think he scored in the first half, but he's getting over forty three that game. Um, but he this week against Tulane matched that forty three mark, scoring forty three again, and becoming I believe the first player in the history of the program to score forty twice in a season. Uh, that's a t- program that had a guy like Derrick Rose and Penny Hardaway. Um, so got to give Jeremiah Martin a shout out. You know he's a senior. You know, Memphis fans have kind of been, you know, throwing the season out, saying, you know, when we're going to get, you know, our recruiting class in, uh, when we're going to get Tubby's guys out and Penny's guys in. But, and technically, you know, 
Martin's a, a Josh Paxton guy, third coach. But <laughs> regardless, uh, we we have to if, if if you know if you're a Memphis fan, you have to uh, realize that. I mean, this this is a there's a special player that's actually playing on the team right now, and he came out after I lost to Central Florida and said, "We're the best team in the conference," and he said, "I'm the best player. I'm the best player in the conference," and he's backed it up. <laughs> he backed it up certainly against Tulane this week. Uh, shout out to Jeremiah Martin. My flames this week is going to be Spring Hill Entertainment. If you don't know what Spring Hill Entertainment is, that is the uh, Hollywood studio launched by uh, Maverick Carter. Maverick Carter is very close friends with LeBron James. It's a partnership with him and LeBron to uh, to not. They've done some television shows. They've done some movies. An animated movie coming out or uh, may have came out already. I forgot. Uh, uh, Smallfoot. Yeah, Smallfoot. Um, they announced finally. That Space Jam 2 is indeed happening and has a release date. They launched, uh, they they released a uh, a promotional art with LeBron in the Toon Squad jersey next to Bugs, next to Lola Bunny. The film set to come out in July of uh, 2021 is being produced by filmmaker Ryan, uh, Black Panther filmmaker Ryan Coogler. Um, this is this is obviously. For nostalgia, '90s kids like myself, this is massive news to finally have this coming down. The first thing to me, Kendall, when I heard that this news was coming out, and of course, uh, shout out to Justin Lin, he's going to be directing this. He directed the uh, four of the Fast and Furious films and Star Trek Beyond. When I first heard about this, uh, that this was official, we have a release date for this movie. First question always is who's the who's the Monster Squad? I have my Monster Squad, Kendall. Right now, and you said they're filming this summer, right? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, LeBron said he's filming this summer. So, so to me, the Monstars can only be, well, not only, but my Monstar squad would be Steph Curry, Russell Westbrook, Harden, Draymond, and AD. Now, AD, I put with an asterisk because AD obviously plays with LeBron now. Oh, he we could be playing with LeBron very soon. Um, so if he somehow wakes his way onto the Lakers, I don't think it should be AD. I'd replace him with, uh, I think about Boogie Cousins. Um, he's not my favorite person right now, but I still think Porzingis would be cool as the Sean Bradley figure on the team. Um, but for now, assuming AD is not on the Lakers, uh, he has that clutch sports connection. Draymond's close to LeBron. Now, obviously, Harden and Steph are the biggest hurdles in that because of the, you know, the problems with uh, Adidas and 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 um, Adidas and, and Under Armour probably didn't want nothing to do with anything LeBron-related with his Nike contract. But that, to me, would be my, my Monstar squad. Do you have a Monstar squad, Kendall? Uh... I, 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 try, to, I try to be somewhat, you know, realistic... Um, okay. So like, I know, like Steph so Curry. You, you're saying, are you saying I'm not? So you think Steph Curry is not realistic? And that's the that was the name when I heard that. But he ain't doing it. Oh, come on, man. Steph's got it. Yeah, Under Armour. Yo, they got to swallow. Swallow. Yo, put all the beasts aside. Let us have a great Space Jam. Steph Curry is. You think Nike's gonna let Steph Curry be in this movie? Number, he's LeBron's number one foil. He has to be <laughs> in the movie. Man, this movie Kobe's gonna be his number one foil, or Giannis. You know, some some Nike guy. That would be but, cool. Uh, for my Kobe. Like Kobe could definitely be the Bill Murray figure. That would be really awesome somehow if that happened. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I look at I think AD is likely. I think there. I, I definitely think we'll get a couple clutch sports guys. Uh, however you feel about that, but uh, I think I think AD is likely. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we get like D Wade and Melo as like the. Oh as, God. Not not no. on, not on the team, oh, but as like the Larry Bird, you know, you know, like oh, that, so like, like my boy. D Wade would be golfing with uh, yeah, golfing with Kevin Hart. You know, they'll be like sitting that. sipping sipping wine, yeah, with, with Kevin Hart, <laughs> and then you know, LeBron shows up or something. But like, um, I think AD, I think it's likely, given like he's got like the the unibrow image that like I feel you can transform into like a Looney Tune type of character. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't be surprised about Isaiah Thomas. What? Uh, Isaiah like a, Thomas. I know he's falling off a little bit, but that, that would be big trash. Ni- Isaiah Nike Thomas. guy, likable figure. No, I love Isaiah Thomas. Short, very, yeah. very short player. Okay, so we're going for another Muggsy Bogues, and he's a big Nike guy. So, um, I'm trying to think. I mean, I think Kyrie might be in this joint. I know. I think Kyrie's. He's 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 trying to flex out his own movie career. I don't think he need to do this. I think he he is, but like if LeBron, I think like he would do it, him, but I don't know if they want him. To but do LeBron being like know. the voice or like the leader of like the monsters, like I think he might think about it. He's clearly got a much better relationship with LeBron than he than he had. That's true. I just don't know if he'd want to be like LeBron's. Uh, I mean, be his co-star, but you know. I don't know if, like LeBron, supporting cast, LeBron's supporting yeah, cast. Part of, I, don't, I don't think he wants to be LeBron's supporting cast. Right. Yeah. You know, if this were, if he were in Cleveland, I think he would do it. Right. But I, now like, he's already talking about trying to get out of his shadow. Now you can go do Space Jam as a part of the supporting cast. Uh, I think Ben Simmons will be in it. Right. Uh, yeah, I think this would be a way of, you know, building his brand as well. Yeah. Plus, he already, already spends. Yeah, he already spends all his summers in LA anyway. So I think he would do it. Uh, yeah, I definitely. But the the theme would be, I think it would be a lot of guys with somewhat connections to LeBron, and I think there'll be probably one or two guys that maybe won't have an obvious connection. It might be like a uh, like a Greek freak, for example. I don't know who it would be, but um, I think it would all be Nike guys. I think that that would be consistent, and I think there would be a lot of guys with connections to LeBron. And I do think Kevin Hart would be my leading guy. I be. agree. I feel like he's the only guy that makes any sense. I mean, who else? I mean, he's got to be a comedian. Because yeah. I was thinking, I mean, you could do Michael B. Jordan, but he's not he, He's not Kevin Hart. Like, it's not going to be as funny. Yeah, I think Kevin Hart is a lock, I think. Oh, not as a lock, but I think he's, like, the the very much odds-on favorite to be. The obvious, yeah, he's got to be the, the obvious Bill choice. Murray or the, the question new, is, or the and Newman do you think character. he would do it as a favorite to LeBron, even if they don't got the, the money? Uh, I think they're going to have the money. I think they're gonna have the money. I think he's gonna get paid handsomely. Now I don't think. Now remember, like Bill Murray wasn't in like Space Jam for like a lot of the movie. You know what I'm saying? Like they could pay him based on however much time he's in the movie. I'm sure it'll be a large amount, but I think they'll probably have enough. You know, it, it is a Warner yeah. Brothers production, so they they're gonna have bread. So, with my question though is, Kevin, would Kevin Hart be the Wayne Knight character? You know, the Newman character, or would he be Bill Murray? It'd be much cheaper for him to be Bill Murray. Bill Murray's not in it, I think, as much as Wayne Knight was. Oh, I see what you're saying. Because guy, no, he wouldn't. No, he wouldn't be Wayne Knight. No, he'd be Bill Murray. So then, who should be Wayne Knight then? <laughs> Brian Windhorst. There's got to be this. Oh my god! No! Why you didn't know Windhorst like that? 
we already talked about Wind Horse too much. He's going, yo. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh man, I can't believe that just happened. Shout out to Brian Windhorse, man. That would that would look. We we, I mean, man. are we are we lying? Am I lying? <laughs> that would that would. I mean, he's the perfect guy to do it. Um, Kendall said. I mean, Brian, we're talking. Kendall said Brian Windhorse. Jesus Christ. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. I'm trying I mean, to think of actors. Black? I mean, I don't know. Jack Black. That could be funny. He's kind of trying to revitalize his career a little bit. Jack Black could be really funny. Because Jack Black, I'm convinced, can't play basketball, just like Wayne Knight. Right. So, and I, I, it would be, I think he could deliver the, It would look equally ridiculous, yeah. Yeah, I think he could deliver the line of, I'm not very tall, but I'm slow, just as well as Wayne Knight. Right. Did, which is probably my favorite line in Space Jam. Which is a great movie. Which somehow is sometimes still up to the up for debate. It is popular for, like, these people to come out and say, Space Jam 1 kind of sucked. And, like, those people need to kick rocks. No one wants to hear... Your contrarian hipster opinions about Space Jam. Space Jam was amazing. The Rotten Tomato score that it has right now is a catastrophe. And these critics who slammed it, I don't know what they're talking about. Because I watch it even to this day. And it's clever. It's funny. It's action-packed. I don't know how people could say that movie was bad. I really don't. Yeah. yeah. And, I, I, and I think, I mean, to be honest, I think that LeBron has a lot to live up to with this. Because Space Jam was a massive hit. Regardless of what the critics say, that was a commercial slant smash, and they play it to this day because it's a smash. So there's pressure in LeBron making sure this get, they get this right, but I think he will. Because everything Spring Hill's been doing has been pretty dope, and LeBron, anything acting he's done has been really dope. So I think he'll be good with this. Uh, who's uh, so? What, what are you doing with Trash? Uh. No trash this week, EJ. What do you mean, no trash? No the, trash. I mean, the segment a, is called a quick Who's trash, trash. I'll look at a quick trash. Uh, I don't know if anybody saw if you're watching the Duke Carolina game, but Coach K uh, at the the the, the handshake at the handshake line after the game, Roy Williams tried to say, you know, I hope Zion's okay or whatever, and Coach K did the the blow by handshake. And didn't listen to what Roy Williams was trying to say. Roy Williams had just looked at him like, all right. And went to John Shire and was like, told him the same thing. I hope Zion's okay. John Shire listened to him. But I'm like, I know Coach K was upset about that or whatever, but still, like, I mean, how many times have you played Roy Williams? Like, you would think, like, you'd be numb to losing to North Carolina, you know, to the point where, like, you listen to the guy say, like, I hope your player is okay. I don't think Roy Williams is going to say, oh, yeah, you guys got a great team, you know, <laughs> like, he wasn't giving him the the, the, the classic spiel. But regardless, um, I have another Flames though this week, EJ. I'm going okay. double Flames. All right. um, so I found out this week, EJ. Well, everybody found out because Kyler Murray hired representation. Obviously, he entered the NFL draft this week uh, officially, and he's now hired an agent. And what's Flames is his agent, Eric Burkhart, who I – look, when I heard that he hired Eric Burkhart – I don't know if the people out there know who that is, but I have no idea who that uh, is. As somebody who follows, I follow the agent business uh, pretty closely. I know who Eric Burkhardt is. Eric Burkhardt is. He was Johnny Manziel's agent when he came out, and that's kind of what he he made his name off being. I mean, he was the guy that fired Johnny Manziel. <laughs> Said you're quit. He's like, no, I can't be your agent. You're, you're. He rehired him eventually. You know, they re- reconciled, and now he's still the easy agent again, but. So I heard that, oh, that makes sense. You know, they're, they're kind of from the same, you know, 
kind of from a similar background. You know, you can tell Kyler Murray, I don't think he idolizes Manziel, but he probably did growing up in Texas, playing high school football, and up going to a and But what I thought was fascinating was that Eric Burkhardt's top client is not only Johnny Manziel, EJ. Okay. But now his top client, arguably, but on Kyler Murray, is Cliff Kingsbury. Mmm. Mmm is right. <laughs> So Eric Burkhart signs with Ky- Kyler Murray signs with Eric Burkhart, whose agent is also Kyler, uh, who's also the agent of Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury, who of course is the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, who of course had the number one pick in the draft. Now we've talked about uh, Kingsbury came out this week after Murray declared and still reiterated, Josh Rose is my guy. I'm excited to work with Josh. He's our guy, and that could be correct, but I'm just saying. You know, there's a lot of there's add more added smoke beyond the fact that he said he would draft number one. Now there's some stuff behind the scenes that would suggest maybe Burkhart. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury's not t- calling the shots, but I mean, they just invest a lot of a lot of capital in him as a head coach. Maybe Burkhart you know, said, "Yo, draft my guy number one." You already think he's nice? Just draft, him. just go for it. You know, get rid of Josh Rosen. I mean. I don't know if this is a where there's smoke, there's fire type of deal, but I don't want to overreact only because I did the same thing when the Suns hired Igor Kokoshkov. I said, the only reason you hire that dude is to draft Luka Doncic. And only, I mean, the, only the Suns were dumb enough not to. Really yeah, only the Suns were dumb enough to not do it because I'm like, that would have been a perfect fit. But, and honestly, if the Suns had Doncic, they'd be like a 35, 40 win team this year. But that's a whole other conversation. But, like, that also seemed like a one-for-one type of fit. This could be a similar situation where Cliff Kingsbury's like, yeah, he's my agent. Yeah, you're his agent. But uh, I want Joe, I want Nick Bosa. Mm-hmm. You know, or I want uh, Quentin Williams or Josh Allen or whoever. I'm not, like, so I don't know. But it's just something to consider. Yeah, that, that will be something to, to pay attention to. And I'm going to shoot Coach K a little bit of bail on the Roy H- H- Williams thing. In that, look... He doesn't like Roy Williams, and it's sports rivalries. I don't mind him being like, "Get out of here, Roy Williams, kick rock." I don't. But like hear, he, I he, he was trying to tell him that his he wanted to, he wanted to be like my player. That's, hope your player's okay. That's fine, but we know there's probably been some trash talk behind the scenes, some stuff that's happened behind the scenes between Roy and Mike. There's a level of respect there, but these guys don't like each other, so he don't want to hear no fake fake thing from Roy Williams about hoping Zion's okay. He don't want to hear that. I wouldn't want to hear it either. If I know but do we think that is fake? I mean, I don't think there's one basketball fan, even North Carolina fans, as crazy as they are, as crazy as all basketball fans are, that was like, man, I hope Zion's out for the year. He beyond, made, like, maybe, he, he beyond the selfish, like, so we can win a national championship, like, Tom Izzo jokes, like, yeah, I hope, you know, <laughs> I hope he, he doesn't, I hope he shuts it down so that we can win a national championship. But, like, I think people didn't want him to be seriously hurt. He's I, I don't think that Coach K thinks that Roy Wynn was lying about being concerned about Zion Williamson. I think that Coach K didn't want to hear Roy Williams, Roy Williams act like he cares that Coach K is now hurt right. because of what happened with Zion Williamson. He knows he doesn't. Roy Williams does not care about Mike Krzyzewski. He hates Mike Krzyzewski. So right. now if, if Roy after the game said, oh, I want to go talk to Zion, I think that Coach K would have been fine with that because of course you know you know roy didn't get to talk to him because he wasn't on that layup line or assuming the the 
the uh, the handshake line because Zion watched the whole game from the locker room. I, I think that I think that you would have a different conversation. I think in that moment, no, I don't want to shake your hand and talk about you. Oh, I know this is a tough blow for you guys. No, I don't want to hit. I know Coach Roy Williams doesn't care about that or my team. He only, he, I'm sure he feels bad for Zion, but that's it. So talk to Zion. Don't talk to me. So I, I'm, I, I'm been, you know, I've been someone who's been hard on Coach K on this show for being unsportsmanlike. I have no problem with him being unsportsmanlike with the arch rival for a guy he can't stand. So Coach K, yes. Do your quick handshake and move on from Roy Williams. I had no problem with it. Kendall, where are you going for Kendall's court? Kendall's court, I mentioned I was at this NHL, uh, you know, conference uh, in Philadelphia for the uh, NHL Stadium Series, which is this week. Uh, Flyers playing the Penguins out at Lincoln Financial Field. Um, and Brian Jennings, the chief branding officer, CBO of the NHL, was – at Temple University, so obviously uh, I was there, and a lot of interesting things that I took out of it. I mean, I thought it was interesting enough to where I was like, "I should talk about it on the show." Uh, I, I asked him personally. I, I asked him about uh, the NHL decision to expand into uh, uh, Seattle, and he talked about how he he thought that uh, one, they looked at the success that Las Vegas had last year. Uh, and they were like, it makes perfect sense from that perspective. But also that there isn't really a, they really didn't have a geographic footprint in the Pacific Northwest outside of Vancouver. And they said that Vancouver has had like the longest, toughest trek of any team in the league. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> that they, they've done with a lot of, so they, they never really had a real natural rival. So that that was, I, that that made a lot of sense. And he didn't mention anything about the NBA. Which I thought was interesting. I, I wasn't going to press him on it, but you know, he didn't mention like, "Oh, we want to beat the NBA to Seattle." But right. I also think that that was also a, a uh, motivation. Right. But uh, he talked about talked about their partnership with Adidas uh, and how they felt about that, um, uh, and how like they they had Reebok, but basically. To put it bluntly, he was like, Reebok's just not a lit company. <laughs> Basically, you were trying to say, he was like, they're not really a performance brand. You know, he put it in a business term, terminology, but essentially is what he was trying to say, is that nobody nobody really rocks with Reebok. <laughs> but, hey, 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 Allen Iverson would beg to differ. <laughs> yeah, Allen The, Allen answer, the answer would beg to differ. <laughs> but he's like, you know, in 2018, 2019, nobody really rocks with Reebok anymore, so he's like, we had to we had to upgrade, and he felt the Adidas contract really has helped them. Uh and I could see that. Uh, and also they talked about just the success of the outdoor games that they've had. And uh, some of the stuff that they, they may be trying to do. I mean, uh, they obviously have the Winter Classic. And he talked about how they've tried to position the stadium series games to be different than the Winter Classic. And how the Winter Classic is supposed to feel more retro. But the stadium series games are supposed to feel more modern and almost futuristic in terms of the uniforms and the aesthetics and stuff yeah thought that was interesting and uh talked about how they may be potentially i didn't press them on this either i probably thought i thought about asking multiple questions but uh he talked about how um they're they may be trying to play a game like possibly in like the middle of nowhere like make it really like outdoorsy supposed mm-hmm. like playing in a football stadium like right. not really in a stadium at all you know kind of just like, like making more of like old school yeah, exactly. He said, make it just a live for TV spectacle type of thing, rather than 
like i guess the real. only problem with that would be like so much money is made on revenue from tickets ticket sales and and uh you know you know uh concession stands and right like how much like how much do they lose by doing that and would it be worth what you would make up for it in in tv advertising and ratings i i don't it's i'm sure it's an interesting idea I've always wondered, like I, you know, I always thought though, they should do an NBA game, like you know, in like the park somewhere. Like it'll never happen, but like, I just thought that'd always be cool. But then, like the idea of like, well, NBA, you know, you draw us thirty thousand people or ten, you know, twenty thousand people to game, like it's a lot of money you're losing by not having them playing in that kind of venue. That's why we'll never see a Final Four, uh, you know, in a regular arena again. It'll always be right. in some stadium. My thing is, all oh, the Final Four should come to Madison Square Gardens. It's now they're doing tournament games, but that'll never happen. Yeah, no. Um, I wanted to ask him also, you know, what are some other cities that they haven't had outdoor games that they want to consider? Uh, but, yeah, it was a lot, a lot of interesting things. The one thing he also he talked about with the Adidas contract was that it allowed them to now let those companies market uh, their players. Because he's like, now, you know, you'll see, you mentioned, you'll see, like, Sidney Crosby and Conor McDavid end up in commercials with James Harden and Lionel yeah, Messi. That's true. You know? That's something that, you know, you, you were getting Reebok. Reebok was, had no, they, they had no platform, you yeah. know, like, so even if they tried to market NHL players, like, nobody cared. Yeah, nobody but, saw it. Yeah, nobody saw it, but, like, Adidas has that platform, uh, so that's something that they hope could help market their players further. Um, but, yeah, I thought it was an interesting thing, especially if you're a hockey fan. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, the season's been pretty quiet, but, um you know, the NHL playoffs are, the Stanley Cup playoffs are coming up in a, about a month and a half. So, you know, uh, I just thought this was a, a interesting uh, situation. Yeah. And, uh, you know, speaking of Mr. McDavid, who you mentioned, he's been suspended for two games for an illegal check. He took out Letty from the, uh, from the Islanders, who have had an incredible season. They've been a, a remarkable story after losing. Um, Tavares, they've been uh, first place in the Metro Metropolitan Division, but McDavid out for two games. But if you've seen, gotten a chance to follow McDavid, kind of this kid is incredible. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I mean, this kid is a, that, he's like, a phenom. Sitting, yeah, sitting in that in that in that uh, conference, like I was just sad as a Devils fan. I was remembering like man, like I remember I would put like all my all all my hockey energy into like the Devils winning that lottery. Yeah, <laughs> and we didn't, and like when the Oilers won it after they had won the previous two years, yeah, I wanted to bring something. Yeah. I was like, Yo, I'm done with it. I, mean, I quit hockey. I was like, I can't follow this. <laughs> like they're gonna rig this joint for a, a team in Edmonton. You know, I understood it for like a hockey perspective, but I mean that was some nonsense. But like, and he lived up to every expectation. Oh, he supposed to be LeBron James, but that's what's sad is like, I mean, this guy is legitimately like LeBron, the LeBron James of hockey. Yeah, and. You know, nobody knows who he is. Nobody cares. Yeah. I mean, I also wanted to ask him: Do you think that brand? Do you think like market size and star players are important? Because that's not something that really matches up one for one in hockey right now. Mm-hmm. And I did. That's more of a touchy subject. I don't know if he would get into. But um, right. like, I mean, if Conor McDavid, he got drafted by Edmonton. I'm sure he's very popular in Canada, but nobody in Florida cares about him. You know, if you were drafted by the L.A. Uh, Kings or if you were drafted by the Rangers. Oh, yeah. I mean, Conor McDavid would be a star. 
Especially yeah, if you were on the star. Rangers. Yeah. yeah, he'd be a megastar. You know, Henry Lundqvist was a megastar. Yeah, exactly. And he was a goalie. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't even exciting. So, like... Well, even think of someone like Patrick Kane, who was a star in Chicago. Yeah, exactly. Still a star in Chicago, you know. Um, so, I, I, you know, I think that's something I look at. And one last thing was, uh, he was also asked um, about something that I think ties into, like, the NBA also. But he asked, he asked about the Ottawa Senators. You know, they've been, like... They've had a fire sale, and they've been tanking, essentially. Yeah. Getting rid of all their best players. They just traded Matt Duquesne to, uh, I think, I forgot where, but uh, Columbus, I believe. And, like, the point was, like, what, at what point, like, do you do you guys, like, step in? <laughs> or do you guys have any communication with, like, owners about, like, you know, how they should be running their teams or whatever? And he was like, well, I mean, it's above my pay grade. <laughs> you know, he's like, that's something, you know, Gary, Gary would deal with, Gary Bettman, the commissioner. But he was like, he made it clear, he was like, look, Gary has an open dialogue with all 32 owners. Uh, it's certainly their teams, but you know, there there are things that we have that you know uh, that teams have to work within the guidelines of. So he like he was being very technical, but and very careful what he was saying. But the vibe he was giving off of that, like yeah, like teams gotta they have to stay in line <laughs> more or less. But he was like, it is their teams, but so I don't know. There's a lot of interesting stuff from that conference. Uh, if you're a hockey fan, uh, it was certainly uh, a good. Listen, good watch. Yeah, it's been a bad year for the Ottawa Senators. Twenty-two and thirty-five, forty-nine points. Um, it's, the the tank is definitely uh, the the tank is strong in Ottawa, uh, just like this tank is strong at Madison Square Garden for the Knicks um, and the Rangers, who have also been tanking, tanking this year. <laughs> um, so, uh, but yeah, that's that's and we don't get enough talk, hockey talk on this show. We gotta. I got my man Jason Biznoff to come back on the show. He could maybe school us on what's happening in hockey, maybe especially during playoff time. Um, but interesting nuggets, Kendall. Uh, thanks for that. We'll be back uh, next week, guys, with more sports talk. We'll, of course, you be able to find our podcast on New Generation Podcast Network, on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. Also, make sure uh, and tune in now. Um, make sure you follow us or subscribe to our YouTube channel, New Generation Media. Make sure you like our videos and give us some views on there. Follow us on Twitter at New Generation Pod. Follow us on Instagram, New Generation Podcast. And follow us uh, on Facebook, New Generation Media. Follow me on Twitter at EJ underscore Stewart. And on Instagram at Action EJ. That does it for now. We'll be back next week. Uh, actually, we, we will see when we'll be back next week. Uh, I, I'm going on vacation soon. So we'll see uh, when we're back. Hopefully, we're back next week with a show. Uh, but if not, uh, you know, we'll be back the following week. But for Kendall, I'm EJ. Peace.